Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, reminding you to check out the show live on YouTube on Wednesday nights at 8.10 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to check out our Patreon page where you can unlock exclusive perks, including access to a patron Q&A session where we take Falcons questions for about 30 minutes to an hour. That's a lot of fun. You can find that page at patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 150 of the Falcoholic Live. I am your host, Kevin Knight. Joined by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Eric Robinson. Eric, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, man. 150, that's a good number. That's a nice celebratory number there, man. Yeah, yeah. Episodes. Nice round number. Uh, yeah. Good one to reach with you. Uh, you've been here for most of the 150. And we're. I have the pleasure to you know, also share with you guys, if you haven't seen on Twitter, Eric has accepted a position with ESPN. Uh, so I will open the floor to Eric. We're very excited for him, but uh, to to just fill you guys in on uh, some of the the details. But uh, just we're all very excited for him and can't wait to see uh, how this goes. Yeah, man. Um, a couple weeks ago. Um, oh, wait, I can't hear you, bud. Oh, What's... hold on. Okay. You good now? I think I can hear you now. Good Go now? ahead. Yeah. You got me. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're right, good. Cool. So a couple weeks ago, yeah, I got offered a production assistant gig with ESPN and accepted it. Um, I start in August, early August, up in Bristol, Connecticut. So I'm in the midst right now trying to find a place in Bristol, yeah. Connecticut. Um, if you know me well enough, this has really been a you know a lifelong dream of working at ESPN in some form or capacity. So. Um, it's pretty cool to be able to say that, you know, I, I earned that position given, you know, the grind that I had over the past few years. But um, I'm ready to get started. And um, definitely I'm, I'm definitely uh, we've already discussed well, Dave and I have already discussed, you know, me staying on to the Falcoholic brand. Um, and, and that's definitely going to be uh, something that I um, will want to do. Uh, later on down the road so we've done 150 episodes um why not do 150 more kevin let's 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 just go ahead and turn them out man let's let's yeah. make this let's make falcoholic live where it needs to be man this thing needs to be you know bigger the than pinnacle YouTube. of falcons uh, yeah, coverage yeah, yeah. you know we're getting out. there yeah 
we need fortunately to we don't have too many people to beat but you know. <laughs> right i mean it's so lonely at the top you know it is i mean so, we we took care of bird noises real quick so right <laughs> <laughs> that lasted hey, a couple man. months yes yeah, so. next step is to have is to have the organization itself you yeah. know bring mm-hmm. us on and and, yeah. and i i foresee that for this show man so, that would be cool. Be cool. Or at least, you know, not, you know, give us so much trouble getting interviews. But, you know, that's that's another conversation. But, you know, uh, they're doing their best, I'm sure. They're, they're doing their best, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, guys, uh, we're just really proud of Eric. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, so the plan is for Eric to, to come on when he's able to. But we don't know any specifics of schedule or any thing like that so when it happens it happens uh and we'll just hope you know for as much as we can but you know he's gonna be a busy man you know working with all these you know elite nfl personalities here so you know this the show might have to take a back burner for him but uh you know we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes and uh we'll obviously you know this, i get camera time i won't get camera yeah. time there exactly you gotta get that you gotta get that face out there man that's the big that's how you that's probably how you got this kid they're like well (laughs) you know oh wait you're you've been on youtube oh okay well in that case (laughs) list that on the resume man it was the falcoholic brand itself did help me you know earn my way up to bristol man this is i've been with falcoholic for a little bit over four years now and there's not a better team that i've been with um, than these guys. So shout out to everybody at the Falcoholic from Day, Gina, DW, yourself, Kevin, you know, all the way down. And this is a very hardworking team over at, at the Falcoholic brand, man. And, and we just, I, I, I'm glad to be down for long haul for these, you know, for with this, with this squad, man. There's, there's a, there was a lot of growth over those four years as well. <laughs> there was, there was, you know, fortunately, you know, we don't have to deal with blogging dirty anymore, but you know, humble beginnings, right? Humble Ooh. beginnings. So who, yeah, I don't even know who that, do they even post anymore? That? I don't know. Yeah. We left them in the dust, but yeah, I mean, I love the Falcoholic style. I love everybody that works here. You know, I have turned down offers to make, you know, more money elsewhere just because it's, it's not worth, you know, I'm not saying it was drastically more, but you know, it wasn't worth it. You know, I, I, I need someone to blow me away if I'm going to leave the Falcoholics. So, um, you know, we're going to keep cranking out the content and, and keep chatting with you guys and having a, a good time, hopefully enjoying the Falcons this year. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the brand itself took a really big step this year. Like yeah. Just all around, not only our show, but, but, you know, the Falcoholic podcast as well. Mm-hmm. It, it really took a big step this year. Um, you know, we were getting a lot of more recognition from the organization itself. Yeah. Along yeah. with, you know, the athletic and bleach report mm-hmm. and things of that nature. So, and yeah, Twizzlers. no. Twizzlers. Yeah, Twizzlers. Yeah, shout out to Evan on that one. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. And, you know, we have you guys to thank for that as well. You know, you guys have really embraced the show, um, you know, with the Patreon and with you, the switch to YouTube over the past couple of years. It's just been really phenomenal how quickly it's, it's taken off on this new platform. And, um, you know, we just are really happy with that. Uh, and, one other piece of news to announce, folks, is I will officially be going to training camp, covering it in person, I believe the first five or six days this year, um, so you guys can look forward to that. Eric uh, was you know, supposed to be my partner in crime, but you know, he went and had to go get this you know, ESPN job or something, so you know, I'll have to just hang out, you know, oh wow, way to go, yeah. <laughs> 
You should have told him to wait, Eric. You got to go do training camp with the Falcoholic Lives. So. <laughs> I don't think they would have waited. I think they would have said, "All right, well, go ahead and training yeah. camp." We probably would have big time. Probably would have big timed us a little bit there, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, guys. So you can look forward to lots of personal training camp coverage. I should be able to link up with some of the other local folks as well. Uh, and I plan to do like a fan day at training camp. So if you're planning to go one of those first five to six days, I uh, plan to stay after practice and, and meet some people and hang out uh, for a little bit. So um, I will let you guys know soon which day of open practice that will be that I will be hanging out. Um, and we'll see if we can get, you know, some other folks there too for that day. Uh, but in the meantime, guys, we still got a couple weeks to go till we get to the actual uh, training camp and the news, and that's all very exciting. Uh, so let's just open things with the, the bit of, you know, unfortunate news that we have to, to cover tonight, which is the Barkevious Mingo story. I'm sure most of you have heard all there is to know about that. Mingo was accused of, uh, I believe it was sexual contact with a minor. Uh, or something along those lines. I won't get into the details. Suffice to say, Sports Illustrated wrote them up in detail if you're interested. I don't necessarily recommend looking into it, but it's out there. We cover it on the site as well. Uh, Mingo's lawyer has denied the allegations, but the Falcons were not willing to uh, (laughs) wait it out on this one, and I can't say that I blame them. Um, So Mingo has had his contract terminated. So for the record, what that means is that the contract is basically voided, in, including guarantees, because Mingo almost certainly violated the conduct uh, agreement that's in almost every NFL contract, which gives the team the right to void his guarantees. So theoretically, the Falcons should recoup you know, a little over a million dollars um, from that cut, uh, but that does leave them without a an edge defender in their rotation, and Mingo was expected to play a significant role. I mean, maybe not quite a starter, but um, it was believed that he was going to have some sort of significant role with the team, so that does leave a void there. And we were talking about the team potentially adding another veteran pass rusher, even with Mingo here, so um, this may you know, push the team in the direction of one of the more expensive options. But Eric, what are your thoughts now that Mingo is gone, do you think this sort of pushes the team towards one of those more premium options, like uh, you know the two ones being Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston, or do you think they're still playing to bargain shop uh, and try to keep as much of the money as they can? First of all, let me say that you know we're not going to dive too much into um, the incident because it's still a legal issue, of course, at this point. But you know, uh, tip of the cap to the Falcons for doing what pretty much all thirty all other 31 teams would have done um, and, and making that move uh, in a situation like this. Um, as far as making a necessary addition, there is an empty roster spot at this point. Um, and there are some notable veteran edge rushers out there. Um, and like you said, you know, the team was possibly heading in that direction even with Mingo on board now it kind of pushes that envelope a little bit more um and I hate to put it in this particular manner but maybe you know this was kind of sort of a blessing in disguise a little bit because I felt the veteran names that were out there a good five or six of them are definitely better than Mingo. They would have provided a better option 
at the edge rusher spot than Mingo, who would have been, he might not have been a starter, but he would have been part of the rotation. Um, a guy like Justin Houston is the first one to come off the board. Off the mm-hmm. board. Um, a veteran edge rusher, I think last season with the Colts, he did about, what, eight and a half, nine? Staff. I think it was like, yeah, it was like eight-ish. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was either seven and a half, eight, or eight and a half. But I, yeah, I for sure. some reason, I have all three of those numbers in my head. But I think he had maybe like another 15, 16 pressure or something like that as well. Um, you know, and, and he, you know, that's without him being the main option at edge rusher. Um, mm. so he's up in age 32, which is not really, I mean, that's not right. But, um, but he, you know, I think last season showed like, Hey, even in a limited role as a, as a rotational edge rusher, Houston can still get the job done. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I thought his, you know, his addition comes off the board right now as, the, as one of the top ones to think with him is last year he had a, you know, he had a, he had a $24 million deal with the Colts. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was what, 12 million a year average or something yeah, like that. So year. So <laughs> we can't pay that. Other than got that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they so. might be able to give him a one year deal and probably half of that, but he ain't getting no two years, 24. He's going to yeah. have to come off that number. Now, hopefully, with him being a former Georgia Bulldog, um, he's from the state of Georgia as well, right? Mm-hmm. I believe um, so. Hopefully, yeah. he'll give the team a little discount. We'll see. Yeah. But I feel like that they have to entice him a little bit in order for that to happen. Um, other guys that come, in, come to mind, Olivier Vernon. Um, another guy that was hurt last year, but he's, he's posted eight sacks as well last yeah. year. But he ruptured his Achilles in week 17, which means that he, I think around this point, you know, he would have, around the time the season starts, he would have maybe seven, eight months of recovery time, which may not be enough right. for, for a torn Achilles. Um, Melvin Ingram is another guy that comes to mind. Melvin mm-hmm. Ingram, you know, I'm, I'm here in Charlotte. Mel, Melvin Ingram recently had a visit here yes. uh, with the Panthers. So, um He's another guy that's he was on IR twice last year, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know about. I knew he was on there once. He was on yeah. there twice mm-hmm. last year, and and you know his career is just covered with injuries. So yeah, but when he's been on, I mean he's been a double digit sack type of guy. Right. So it's like it's right. really boomer bust with him. Right. I know teams really like his ability to some of his best pressure comes when he's lined up. Uh, on stunts lined up rushing the mid like from the interior and stuff like that too so he's very versatile he offers a lot um so that sounds like a fit for dean pease but my guess is that there are health concerns and he's still asking for a lot of money which is why he hasn't signed yet um so we'll see if that number comes down at all but he would definitely be the highest upside arguably of anyone they could probably sign at this point you know if he hits you're maybe looking at a double digit sack guy but I think the risk is fairly high as well. And like we were saying, the, the price tag is probably going to be also quite high. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess I lean towards Justin Houston. I know a lot of folks in the chat do as well. Um, because I, Justin Houston is just a model of consistency. So Hypothetically, let's say that they grab an edge rusher in one of the first three rounds of the draft. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind taking a swing at Melvin Ingram because of you know, you're still, you still have that, that young edge rusher with the upside that you're going to develop. I don't want, essentially whoever they bring in, in my opinion, is probably going to be the number two primary edge rusher opposite um, 
uh, Dante Fowler. Mm-hmm. So I will want this guy to be, and he's, he doesn't have to be young, he doesn't have to be spry, but I want this guy to be, you know, reliable for 13, 14, 15 games. I don't know if Ingram is such. Right. Um, I would have liked Ingram to come in alongside a high draft pick and say, all right, cool. Now I feel fairly comfortable about edge rusher. So right yeah. now, if I had to pick, it'd probably be Houston, but I don't know if Houston's going to come down off that number. Yeah. Um, so and well, like you're gonna yeah. have to. Right. Have so to. it's it's tough. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean I, I think we'd all like Houston, but it just depends because he has to be able like the Falcons, if it's gonna be a one year deal, um, you know, they there are limited tricks to bring the cap hit down. Like if he wants, you know, seven million, the team basically has to pay him seven million against the cap. Like it's hard to because his sack numbers were so high that like any incentives right. that you bake in he's probably are going to be considered you know, likely sure. to be earned sure. like you know if you're like oh get seven sacks and you make two more million but he got like eight and a half sacks last year so you know these incentives would have to be like in the double digit sacks for them to not count against the cap and like i don't know if he really would want to agree to that um so it really just depends like it, w- it would have to be him willing to come here for you know seven million or less basically you know they did get a little bit of money from mingo's deal but basically actually do that like hypothetically let's just say they give him a one-year deal worth six and a half seven million and they add on another, you know, you reach 10 and a half sacks, that's a million. You reach 12 and a half sacks, that's a million and a half. Could they still, yep. could they still be able to add that mm-hmm. yes. to the contract and not, you know, let it hurt them? Yes. The so, yes, okay. it would basically be if he were to hit those incentives, it would count against next year's cap. So it is like you do have to pay it out at some point. But cool. um Teams do that a lot. So, like, if if basically how you determine if it's going to count against the cap this year or not is if the player did it last year, it's likely to be earned. Likely to be earned. So that means it counts against the cap. Uh, if the player didn't do it last year, then it's not likely to be earned. Doesn't count against the cap. So, uh, since he had like eight and a half sacks last year or whatever, you'd have the incentive would have to be for more than that, or it would count against the cap. So, um, now if you do like say that you do give him you know two million if he were to hit seven sacks again and he doesn't hit seven sacks, then you get that two million back next year mm-hmm. so it works both ways mm-hmm. um but yeah we're, we're, we'll yeah, see i wouldn't mind no like a, yeah i wouldn't mind your deal with six and a half seven million and hey if you reach ten and a half sacks that's a million dollars yeah right there mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't mind that or if yeah. you play if you play 15 games 14 mm-hmm. 15 mm-hmm. games right yeah yeah exactly mind. that could that could be an option too like playtime incentives or pro bowl incentives or all those sorts of things so um yeah, so uh, Tom K in the chat is asking how much cap space do the Falcons have right now. They have, uh, I believe this is factoring in the money from Mingo's deal, $8.9 million in cap space. So they're going to want to keep at least a million or two going into the season just in case they need to sign. I mean, yes, like, but like generally you could get teams get away with, you know, going in with a million or two, but ideally you would have more than that but like if they if they wanted houston at seven million and he was unwilling to come off that you know it's possible like there's nothing saying they have to but you're basically limiting yourself during the season to very minimal signings um which you know we'll see what happens with that but that is their current situation there but some other names to to consider uh you know olivier vernon was mentioned um someone who's still like a really great run defender hasn't been quite as elite as a pass rusher lately but Still competent, you know, still probably the second best pass rusher on the Falcons roster. Um, so, you know, not that that's saying a whole lot, but uh, Trent Murphy from the Bills has long, been a long time 
stalwart guy. Again, not like a super high-end pass rusher, but someone who's like a capable number two. So that could be an option. Uh, Everson Griffin, he'll be going into his, I think, age 34 season. So, you know, uh, that's you're, you're gambling a bit there, but was half decent last year. And then you get into more of the depth guys, Alex Okafor, Adrian Claiborne, you know, reunion there perhaps. Uh, <laughs> every time Adrian Claiborne comes to Atlanta, he just like plays well. Like that, remember that, that Cowboys game? He had like five sacks in that one game. That was nuts. But uh, yeah, so you can see the cupboards kind of bare after you get past those top guys. But there are still a few guys there that I think are, are worth, you know, Jabal Sheard is someone they could probably sign for really, really cheap who's, again, been like a number two, number three sort of guy, but someone who can get you, you know, five sacks probably. Um, yeah. So another name to consider there. But, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not great. It's not great out there. We'll see who they end up bringing in because it's going to be somebody almost certainly. Uh, but, you know, they're at this point, I mean, I, I if they bring in another – if they bring in another like bargain sort of signing, I mean, doesn't that kind of tell us that Jacob Twitty Mariners who they want to start opposite uh, Fowler, Maybe. you know, or, or, and or, you know they're really leaning on um, the rookie out of Notre Dame. Yeah, um, yeah, Ogun Ogun so, or whatever. Yeah, Ogun um playing and developing properly. Um, yeah, which they're probably going to lean on him anyway. He has some upside. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at his tape, he, the, the, the kid can, you know, if you give him some time, he can, he can be, uh, a, a, you know, uh, a, a, a really good, reliable pass rusher later on down the line. Not a, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's going to get 10, 12 sacks per season, but you right, know, he, right. he'd be good for a solid six and a half, seven sacks as, yeah. as a ceiling going forward. Um, but I, I'll tell you, even with Mingo in the fold, um, and I've mentioned this on the show so many times. That is that's the biggest question mark for me going mm-hmm. into the season. Um as yeah, rusher. And for I know sure. and I know the scheme is kind of sort of predicated off getting pressure from just about every position, every spot on defense, but you can never have too many good pass rushers in a passing mm-hmm. league, in a league or even in a division where you're seeing Tom Brady twice a year, even in right. a conference where you're seeing Brady and Wilson and Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers, potentially, uh, Dak Prescott, you know, it's you can never have too many solid guys that can get after the quarterback. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, the, like I said, the timing was kind of off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing this thing with Mingo, seeing how it played out, I'm pretty sure – Hypothetically, if this played out before the draft, I'm pretty sure it would have pushed the narrative or the want to draft the edge rusher a little higher in the draft than what they did. I, I, I'm, I'm positive it would have. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if they would have took one in the third or fourth round if, if this occurred before the draft. So yeah. No, and I, I think, honestly, like, they probably had Ed Rusher high on the board, and just the way it fell, they just had other players ranked higher. Um, yeah. You know, they didn't agree with our rankings, because I think, you know, at several points, especially early on day three, I think we had Edge, like, as our top choice of the guys that were left. Um, you know, they obviously disagreed. Ed Rusher names. Oh, yeah, we were just rattling them off. I was like, well, when's this going to... And a lot of those guys ended up going later than we thought, so, you know, maybe... Yeah the NFL as a whole was lower on them than sort of the scouting community was. But um, it is without a doubt, I think the weakest group on the roster. Um, And like, 
Mingo, to be fair to him in terms of his skill set, like he's been a guy that I think has produced pressure consistently. The sacks haven't been there. But Man. if you look at his pressure numbers, they're they're good. Like they're, they're the pressure numbers are good, and he's always been known as a good run defender. So, um, and, and a solid special teams contributor. Yes. Yeah, well. So you know, as as a stopgap starter for this year, they could have done worse than Mingo. So they they just need to kind. Of, but again, that's not super hard to replace. Like if you sign Justin Houston, that's still going to be an upgrade. Um, you yeah. know, and I think a lot of the guys we mentioned could still be an upgrade as a pass yeah. rusher, but. Um, they just, you know, we're, we're basically needing big contributions from Tuati Mariner, uh, from the rookie Ogundiji. Like we need some of these guys to step up and, you know, maybe now Steven means is the guy they're going to lean on also. Um, you know, someone that the team has really liked, um, not necessarily a guy I want starting, you know, I'm fine with him as like the edge four, but, um, you know, I think he's, he's always acquitted himself well as a reserve, but being a good reserve and being a good starter are completely different. So, um, so we're, it's just it's dicey. It's super dicey there. Um, I'm going to need them to sign someone. I yeah, don't, I don't feel comfortable um, with those numbers. I don't. I don't feel comfortable <laughs> at all with, with no. that going. Even even going into a week one matchup against a guy like Jalen Hurts, like I I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be, we know Dean Pease is just going to throw the kitchen sink at teams. Like, he's just going to do crazy shit every week. Like, he's it's going to look like a Todd Bowles defense, probably, because of the lack of edge talent that they have. So, like, we're going to, you know, do our darndest to generate pressure through scheme. But at but the end of the day, like, you still need your edge guys to be able to get even, home, even, you know. Even in the game, or, or look, I get what Dean Pease does. He's a hell of a defensive coordinator. He can bring the guy can develop, you know, he can scheme up pressure in his sleep. Um, and we've said it before. I wouldn't be surprised if the leading sacker this season is Grady Jarrett. Right. Or mm-hmm. if it's somehow maybe Marlon Davidson. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to having that edge rusher late in games in the fourth quarter, and the opposing team needs a test now. They need a field goal. Sometimes you can't just blitz every play yeah exactly Sometimes you've got to get two horses out there and say hey get them plain and simple yeah and that's that's where i feel the team still needs to you know make that decision and not rely on guys that haven't been used to that role in the past <laughs> like you know yeah JTM hasn't been necessarily used to that no and you I was impressed with them last year, but still. I like, was impressed with them too, right. But in the fourth quarter, when mm-hmm. it's time to bring down Tom Brady and he's driving down the field, does, can anybody on this show honestly say, man, I trust JTM <laughs> to get back there and get a sack and, and wrap up the game? I, yeah, honestly, the only one I trust is Grady Jarrett at this point. So. Is Grady Jarrett, right. And I don't, <laughs> want, I don't want to put that pressure on no. when a guy that's going to be playing five tech. Um, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, so I – I, I need them to go out and get get somebody another, another veteran yeah piece. and it's yeah. gonna be a, I mean they're gonna do it like we'll we'll see it'll probably be before training camp it might be the first couple of days of training camp we'll see but it's it's gonna happen folks so it really just depends yeah. on you know which one they choose and they've generally not chosen free agents we were expecting this off no. Um, I think Mike Davis was like one of the only ones that they actually signed that I that I mentioned in like an article in terms of like oh these are free agents that make sense for them <laughs> so yeah. um, you know 
that's that's kind of it. Uh, they they really and that's I think their philosophy this year. This they want to win, and I think they're serious about trying to win. But this is very much like a let's see what we have here. Um, I think they loaded up with a bunch of one-year contracts to try out all these guys, taking a longer look at them. They kept a lot of the previous regime's projects on, like Matt Gono, like Chris Rowland, um, Juwan Green, Christian Blake, um, JTM. You know, they kept on a lot of these young players that you know we are not really sure about. And I think this this year, especially on defense, is a let's see what we have. Like let's play these guys. Let's let's get them out there. And we're not expecting the defense to be great. Um, but mm-hmm. if we can if we can look get an extended look at these guys this year. You know, Marlon Davidson's another one, John Kaminsky. Like, we need to know which of these guys we can depend on and, wh- and where we need to start, you know, cutting cutting next year and, and bringing in, you know, high draft picks and big free agents. So, you know, maybe JTM and John Kaminsky light it up and, and Marlon Davidson plays well. And they're like, actually, the, you know, defensive line isn't quite as bad as we thought. Um, but if none of those guys pan out, then it's like, oh, this is a disaster. So, and, you know, the same thing with the secondary. It's like, uh, you know, maybe... AJ Terrell continues playing really well and Fabian Moreau has a great year and you're like, okay, well, we've got our two corners. We're just going to pay Fabian Moreau as our second outside corner. We're actually pretty much set at corner. You know, maybe we bring in a nickel next year, but if, you know, Moreau struggles and Isaiah Oliver struggles and it's like, oh, well, the secondary is a disaster. So again, it's like, these could go various ways. We just don't know. We haven't seen these guys really get a chance to play together. Um, and it's nerve wracking. Um, and I think that's part of the reason you see such a wide variety of opinions on how good the Falcons can be this year, because it is so open-ended with all of these sort of unproven players. But that was sort of Terry Fontenot's calling card in New Orleans, was kind of bringing in these unheralded guys and getting more out of them than, than the NFL thought. And it's the, the big thing is it's very financially responsible what he's done. He hasn't really touched 2022 to uh he's you know some of these most of these guys he's brought in it's one-year deal so 2022's cap not loaded up with these one-year guys and 2023 he hasn't touched at all like he's gone to great lengths to other than matt ryan's contract there's nothing you can really do about that one but you know Mm -hmm. julio's money comes off the books entirely in 2023 and none of these other contracts that he signed have touched 2023 at all so they have potentially massive flexibility going into that season um to completely reshape the team if that's what they choose to do. Um, but we'll see next year. So it's it's a wait and see. I think it's an evaluation year. Um, I think they would like to win. I think they're trying to win. But I think if we're being honest with ourselves, this could go very poorly also. And I don't think that would be totally unforeseen. You know, I, I, I don't think the offense is going to crater or anything like that. Like the offense, I think, will still carry this team to about 500. But it, it all depends on the defense. Like if the defense is some level of competent, this could be a team that flirts with a winning record. If the defense is a disaster, then probably not getting that winning record. So, yeah, you and I discussed that last week. Like, you know, yeah. we, we can see a, a ceiling where, you know, this team is, is flirting with a playoff spot late in the year. Um, not saying, not necessarily saying that they're going to make the playoffs or anything like that. But, you know, if, if everything goes right, if, if the offensive line, you know, holds itself, if, if <laughs> the run game gets going a little bit, if Matt develops a little chemistry with Pitts and, and um, Ridley is, is ready for that wide receiver one role, you know, if the defense can get consistent pressure and they create a few turnovers here and there, I, I, I can see this team 
being 10 and 7, honestly. Yeah. I, I can see him week 16. You know, they're they're in need of some help, but they're right there in the playoff picture, in the wild card picture. I, I can see that. Yeah. This, I, I, this, this yeah. is not a god awful. This, like, this no, is not a team no. like the Texans or, you know, no, no. the Raiders or like, they're not going to be that bad. No. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, but what we're going to see is like, I think the last several years, particularly once Dirk Cutter got here, we were just constantly saying like, there's too much talent for the offense to be this bad. Like for the, for the red zone offense to not score, you know, there's too much talent on defense for this defense to be this bad. Um, because like, I don't think we were thinking that it was going to be like a top 10 defense, but like it wasn't 32nd of 32 in terms of passing defense. Like there's no way we should have been seeing that. So is the thing that could make this team actually competitive immediately is if it was really coaching and we actually get coaches that are going to be a plus now instead of a minus on the talent that can change things immediately. And I think that's why, you know, we talked about it on Twitter that PFF, you know, gave the Falcons, I think the tied for the third or fourth highest ceiling in the NFC in terms of their projected wins at 12 and five. And that's, that's like the high, you know, the high point that we could expect, but that's, you know, extremely high. That was like the fourth highest in the NFC because I think you could tell yourself a story where Arthur Smith is this great offensive mind and he continue like he, he does what he's done every year so far, which is gets the Falcons to 75% red zone efficiency, which would have been like a full 20 points better than they were last year. Like a full 20 percentage points better. Um, improve, but that's 12 wins. That's Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I think they're going to get to 12 wins, but I think if you, you could tell yourself a story where Arthur Smith is this great offensive mind. Kyle Pitts hits. Calvin Ridley is what you think. The offensive line isn't like as big of an issue as we you think. Get, get a thousand yards from Pitts and, and Ridley. thousand plus yards from Pitts and Ridley. Yeah. Fowler. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Somehow, you know, well, it's, it's a contract 12. year. It's a contract year for Feller, so he's probably going to get 12 sacks, right? And not to mention his contract <laughs> year. His, his contract is laced with yes, incentives. It is. Which so. I love how they structured his contract. That's what they should have done with Vic Beasley. Yeah, but they should you have know. done it to begin with, All right. Yep, yeah. But, you know, we won't, we won't rehash that. I was just getting over that. But, um, yeah, so I think you can tell yourself a story where, like, the defense is good enough. You know, it's, like, 16th, 17th, you know, average. And the offense is great. And then it's like, okay, this is, like, a playoff team then. Um, I think you could also look at the low end and say, like, oh, well, the offensive line is a big problem. Because I think that's going to be the Achilles heel of the offense. And we're going to talk about that in just a second um, for the next big question surrounding the Falcons offseason. But, like, I think if, you know, the offensive line is a big problem and the defense just the talent's just not there. Like Dean Pease tries his damnedest. And I bet usually blitz heavy teams perform well the first half. And then teams kind of figure out your blitzes halfway through the year. And the blitzes aren't quite as effective later. So I can see like the defense starting out and being okay, but then they just, they don't have the, the horses, like you said, to really take it to good offenses and good offensive lines. And these guys, these offenses can 
handle the blitz and the defense just doesn't have the talent. Um, and then you're looking at a team that's probably like seven and 10. Um, you know, even if I think the offense is, I think the offense is too good for them to be as bad as they were last year. I just don't think, I think they're going to win games just because they can outscore people. And I guess we'll see how well that goes, but um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. What? For for the defensive side of the ball, the one thing I'm looking for this year, man, I'm looking for turnovers. Like that's yeah. because I'm I'm not I'm not looking at this unit as a complete unit that can just straight up get a stop when they need it, or straight up you know limit a, a good offensive team for three or four quarters. I, I I can't foresee them being that. But one thing I want to see happen, and you know, with some of the personnel moves that they've made on defense, they've they've added guys you know, their game is predicated off of getting the ball. Um, you know, like we, we brought up Richie Grant before, uh, Darren Hall, fourth-round pick out of, out of San Diego State, Ron Harmon, um, those guys, their game is centered around just being in the right place in the right time creating tournaments. That's the one thing I'm looking for, for for the defense this year. Everything else, the sacks, the pressures, whatever, points per game, whatever, is that's going to work itself out. I need to see this defense create some damn turnovers because for pretty much the entire Dan Quinn era, they couldn't get a, a, a turnover to save their life. Yeah. Yeah. Like and it, the one last year, they would have got a key fourth quarter turnover. Yeah. I mean, they just, they've been bad at getting turnovers lately, except for that one year where what KZ had like seven, but mm-hmm. like, that was 2018, right? Or 2017, yeah. That was a flu. That was obviously a flu. Yes, yes. It was fun, but you know. It was fun. <laughs> Anytime yeah. anybody gets seven interceptions, it's definitely luck to some extent. Yeah. But, you no, know. They could have won a Super Bowl if they got a turnover late. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring that back up. Oh, no. Why did you do this, Eric? We were having such a good time. Well, that's a good way, to, good time to segue here. I know Corey was asking about it, but guys, yeah. Uh, please do like and subscribe. Uh, we appreciate that. I know it's the slow season. Uh, but yeah, any any new folks that happen to be here with the real degenerates, like in the heart of the dead zone, uh, thank you for tuning in. We hope you, you stick around because uh, we got lots of great content coming. Like I said, uh, we'll have some live training camp content coming. I'm not sure I'll be able to like actually stream the practices. Uh, I doubt I can do that. But I can come to you immediately after practice ends and tell you exactly what happened, all the things that I observed that I thought were important. Um, and it's going to be real in-depth coverage. Obviously, I'll try to get pictures and little video snippets. Usually, I don't get too upset about that, but you know, we'll see what the rules are this year. Um, and then, guys, uh, you can tip the show if you're so inclined. There's a link in the show description. You can also do exclamation point tip. That will send you the link as well. And, of course, check out the Patreon page. That is at uh, patreon.com slash live. And uh, we're going to have some good content coming there. We're, we're in talks with Keenan Forney about perhaps a uh, offensive line film review series that we're going to do for patrons um, during the season. So maybe, you know, on a Monday or Tuesday after the game, as soon as they put the you know game pass up, uh, could have Keenan on uh, to do a, a patron show for that. Uh, patrons will get to see it live and ask questions. We will still be sending the show to everyone. You know, we, we want to make sure everyone has access to all the content. Um, but it'll probably be the next day or something like that. Um, and so if you want to actually talk to Keenan and, you know, get his insights, stuff like that, got to be a patron, you know, we got to save, you know, some of it for, for the people, but uh, <laughs> uh, definitely look forward to stuff like that. Um, and then the next Q and a session, I believe will be next Friday. Um, but we will keep you guys updated with how that goes. 
Uh, so again, thank you guys so much for all of your support. Thank you to all of our patrons and everybody else, everyone who tips, everyone who comes and hangs out. We appreciate you guys. So next topic, it is the offensive line. Uh, Eric, how concerned should we be that Josh Andrews appears to be the heavy favorite to start at left guard? Now, let's keep in mind that this is before training camp has even started. So, you know, very. there's a lot of time. But, yeah, should we be very concerned? Very. <laughs> I look, if he has a hell of a training camp and impresses and, and has a great preseason, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll back off of it. But oh, yeah. right now, with that question, right now, I'm concerned, man. I really am. I I, I can't look at him right now. And I, and I know that's kind of sort of being a little unfair, but I can't look at him right now and say that that is an upgrade over James Carpenter. I I can't. I no, can't I don't think it is. And like, to be fair, James Carpenter was mostly fine last year. I mean, he, he was definitely not good in the run game as a pass right. blocker. He was fairly average, but, yeah, but it, was, it was the only season where we saw something. out. Of yes. Him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't great. I mean, you would want to upgrade that position, but yeah, I, this, this ain't an upgrade. <laughs> not right now. Not right now. Is it? I, yeah, I would be shocked, but I mean, he was like, he was like literally their first, one of their first free agent signings, I think Josh Andrews. So like yeah. they went out and got him early. They wanted him, you know, I personally, you know, don't necessarily see it. Um, you know, I didn't see anything on tape when I was watching him that stood out to me. I think he's more of like a interior backup that can play center and guard. And I think that's nice to have, but you know, if you want someone proven to play left guard, I would have signed Steven Wisniewski for the same amount of money. Who's still a free agent. Um, who started in the Super Bowl, I think. And like, look, that cha- that Chiefs O-line got, you know, blasted a bit, but they were playing the arguably the best defensive line in football and starting, you know, multiple backups. So Wisniewski on the whole is never graded out worse than an average starter, according to PFF at both guard and center on a season. Um, so I think I would have gone with the, maybe the trustworthy veteran there, but um, you know, I, I still want it to be Jalen Mayfield and I know you might, ha- we might have to see him take his lumps there, but if he's going to, if he's who they want to play left guard and this is like a, let's see what we have here. I think you just get Mayfield in there as soon as possible. And unless he's a disaster, which I don't think he'll be, I think he's too talented to be a disaster. Um, but I, I think we need to get him in there. I think we need to get that group gelling as fast as possible. Um, so maybe there's a chance that they're a competent group, you know, part of the way through the year. Yeah, I, I think that's that's probably best case scenario for this offensive line. If, if Jalen Mayfield, you know, you know, he comes out, he impresses enough because you got to keep in mind he's making a transition. You know, this is while he's a talented kid and he has plenty of athleticism and and, a, and is a very good run blocker. You got to keep in mind he's transitioning from right tackle mm-hmm. to left. Yes, it's big. May take a little time, but Mm -hmm. potentially, I think he can definitely be a really good fit there, simply because of his ability. You know, his his ability to be aggressive in the box um, against interior linemen. I think he he works lateral. His feet work laterally better against those type of linemen than the athletic edge rushers that he will likely see on the right hand side. So. Um, I think that's the best case scenario for him. Now, you mentioned that, and we've also talked about this on the show before, week one, if he's tossed in there week one, 
you know he's going up against week one. He's going up against Fletcher Cox. So that's definitely a welcome to the NFL matchup right there. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens going forward. But I honestly, man, if and no knock on Josh Andrews, man, but if, if he's the starter week one, I'm I'm scared. Yeah. I'm scared. If he's the starter week four against Washington. Oh boy. Oof. Oh, good God. Yeah. I mean, John can Allen, we can we get Keenan down there? John like, Allen and Deron Payne. I mean oh. Look, I've seen Keenan. Okay, he looks like he's ready to strap up right now. All right, right. like, like I, mean, I, don't, I don't, I don't look, Keenan. I don't need you to run stretch plays, man. I hell just no. Need you just to, just to phone get booth, in the brother. Way, bro. Get in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd have him on speed dial. I'd, right. You know. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting because I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of you know, in game matchups and diving within the game within the game. So if you look how the season starts off for the Falcons. It isn't a great start for an interior offensive line that has questions <laughs> no. because they, don't, they don't, not only do they have questions at left guard but at center as well. But yeah, they're starting off against Fletcher Cox. Then the very next week they get Vita Vea, um, and then the next week you know they get Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, and then after that they get Deron Payne and John Allen, and yeah, it it, it, it's not a the first month of the season is like, oh man, like this is not what you want to see from an interior offensive line that has some question marks. Yeah, um, man. Uh, we'll know real quick about, this, <laughs> about how, what the yeah, ceiling of these guys are. Like, because if they're handling these, uh, these defensive lines, then we should be pretty excited. But yeah, again, right. like if they're, if they do start Mayfield and Hennessy and they struggle, I also don't think it would be cause for panic unless it was just a total disaster. But um, you know, that may be why they're leaning towards a veteran like Andrews, even though he may not be who they want long-term. Maybe they want someone in there that's experienced to kind of take on those, like you said, the, uh, <laughs> like Tom K said in the chat, the murderer's row of, you know, those defensive lines that they got to play early. Let, you know, Andrews get abused <laughs> and then switch to Mayfield like four or five weeks into the season after like the really difficult ones are passed and let him, you know, actually build his confidence a little bit instead of getting up against these like crazy guys uh, every single week for like the first five weeks. But, um, you know, we'll see. Um, we also have a $3 donation from Tom K. Tom, thank you very much, man. We appreciate you. He says, is it wrong for us to ask for Wes Schweitzer to come back? Um we should talk about Wes Schweitzer because this man never got respect from Thomas Dimitrov. It was like he was always trying to get this man out of here. And then Dimitrov spends all this money to bring in Jamon Brown and James Carpenter. And guess who's better than both of them in Washington? Right. Wes Schweitzer. Like, he a starter? He's not a starter. He was. Yeah, he was a starter. He's been a starter. And I think he's been a great out as like average or above average every year now with them. Um, but it's like you spend all this time developing the sixth round offensive lineman, and then you're not willing to pay him like the two or three million he got from Washington to to be to, to stay on this guy that you developed from scratch. It's just like what do you so you can go sign Jamon Brown who's got like one season of quality play to his name 
James Carpenter, like, you know, kind of a, a journeyman guy. Like, I just, I, I never understood that. Uh, and yeah, I think it's totally reasonable to to ask for Schweitzer to come back. And I think that's one of Dimitrov's greatest flubs in terms of nailing a late draft pick like that and then just letting the guy walk out the door. You know, I just don't get it, so. Well, he's comfortable in Washington now, so. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, no, he's not going to come back here now, and I, I don't blame him whatsoever. But, you know, the disrespect for Wes Schweitzer, like, you know, he was never, like, a world beater, but, like, I mean, I think I would say he was on par with, like, a Chris Chester, a guy that you knew was going to get you about average play, and he wasn't going to sink your offensive line. And look, in today's NFL with the salary cap, you basically, unless you hit on a bunch of draft picks, like, you're going to have, one of your offensive linemen is going to have to be someone making not very much money. So you're either going to have to hit on draft picks, or you're going to have to hit on undrafted guys, or you're going to have to have one of these low-level veterans that is going to outplay their their check uh and you know right now maybe it could be josh andrews this year maybe you know that would be really funny to me if dimitrov spends like 20 million dollars combined on all these offensive linemen and then josh andrews off the scrap heap comes in and outplays all of them ends up like starting the whole season or something so it's just that would be wild to me but um yeah crazy man crazy so um Next topic that I wanted to talk about, uh, the backup quarterback competition, because I think it's actually legitimately interesting this year. Um, you know, I don't know where you fall in the Felipe Franks spectrum in terms of what you think about him and his long-term potential. But I mean, I do think in terms of raw talent, probably the most talented quarterback they've brought in in a really long time. I mean, I really liked Kurt Benkert. Benkert was more of a gifted passer, I would say, than Franks. Franks is like that. Franks is basically like Josh Allen, but I don't know. I, I think he's kind of like Josh Allen, honestly. Like, he's got an arm. Yeah. I mean, he's he's more athletic than Josh Allen, too. So. And it stops. That's where it stops. I mean, yeah. I, I get it. You know, people are in love with his arm talent, but, you know, there there's a lot, many yep. more components oh, yeah. that go into quarterback play than that. While he – and. And it's funny you mentioned Josh Allen because he kind of sort of has the same issues that Josh Allen Josh yes. Allen had when he first started. Yep. Huge rocket arm, but his deep ball accuracy is off. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Felipe Franks. Big arm, but that doesn't mean it's going to get where it needs to go. <laughs> yeah, the touch uh, is lacking. The The velocity right. is not lacking. The touch is right. lacking. Right. So, you know, and I've, I've watched him – you know, during his time in the SEC at Florida and at Arkansas and the decision-making as a quarterback is still something yeah. that, has, that has been an issue, even though, even through last season, I think he was, I think he was two-year starter. Two years he was, starter. yeah, two-year starter at Florida. Then he got hurt. Then he went to Arkansas this last year. Yeah. It became the, you know, the primary starter last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the decision-making, you know, yep. um, was, was something that, haunted him for a while and it wasn't even it was because there was a lot of games he was playing where everything was flowing for the Gators and he made a critical turnover and a critical turnover at the most the worst time ever um so that is is an issue for me as well um but outside of that you know (sighs) you know they took him undrafted which is fine. I felt like there were better options out there. I wouldn't have rolled the dice on him. That's just me. If he pans out, 
great. I don't foresee this as him being next in line. Yeah, no. I mean, I think we've got a long way to go before we get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Their guy is obviously still in college right now, whoever he at, whoever he is. Um, but I, I even as a long term backup, I he's got yeah, I agree. Like I think penciling him in like we haven't seen him other than pictures do anything in the NFL. Um, so like this is pure speculation and like that's all we have at this point, guys. Like we haven't seen these guys in camp, we haven't seen them practice, like we don't get to go to OTAs or whatever. So like this is hundred percent speculation, you know. But to me, like this is exactly the type of guy you bring in as an undrafted free agent. Someone that you know has issues that are gonna prevent him prevent him from getting drafted, but has something there that makes him stand out from the crowd. So for him it would be like his size, because he's huge. And he's extremely fast. He's a 95th percentile athlete. He's, I think he has a 9.55 RAS or something like that. So um, he's got that potential. Um, and even though he's quite athletic, he was never like really a super high volume runner, or at least wasn't like a great runner in terms of yards per carry. He did have seven rushing touchdowns in 2018 in Florida. That was like his big season there. But he's not like a guy that's going to take off and run at every opportunity or anything like that but um in his two years as the primary starter at florida he like exactly what eric said um you know in 2017 he had nine touchdowns to eight interceptions you know not great uh then he had uh only 6.3 yards per attempt again not great 54.6 per- completion percentage also not not great uh next year after that 58.4 completion percentage, also not great. You know, 24 to 6 touchdown to int ratio, so that's better, uh, but still not great. And then in 2019, before he got hurt, he was actually having a tremendous season. Um, 76% completions uh, over four games, uh, 9.8 yards per attempt. You know, he looked like he was sort of turning the corner. Um, but uh, it's, you know, we're getting to the point where that, you know, that's just four games. And then in 2020, uh, at Arkansas, almost a 70% completion percentage, uh, 8.9 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns to four interceptions. So things started to get better for him. Um, It was, like I said, it was improving, but, you know, where, you know, it's not perfect. Like, we've still got a ways to go before he's someone you would trust in an NFL game. But I do like his potential. I think he's a guy that deserves a chance to beat out someone like A.J. McCarron, who, look, if we're being completely honest here, McCarron hasn't really done anything in the NFL either. He had like He's had, like, 100 passing attempts in his entire career, and almost all of those came in 2015, which six years ago, folks. So... I think it's a legitimate competition, but what what do you think, Eric? And also welcome in Evan. How are you doing? I, I, I as far as being the <laughs> primary backup, or just making the roster. I mean, I guess to me, I I think that the Falcons are in a position where they aren't. I we don't know what Smith wants. Maybe he wants a veteran to be behind Matt Ryan. Maybe he doesn't care having someone like Franks, where he's like, if we don't have Matt Ryan, we're not winning games anyway. So I don't really care, <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, if if we're if we're talking just making a roster, I think he has a he has an opportunity. I think he has a chance. Um, you know, and, and to his credit, you know, he he did have 
a, a fairly solid season last year with Arkansas. Um, I was looking at, looking it up right now. You know, he had 17 touchdowns and four picks last year. Um, but it's it's the the same issues that carried over season by season by season at Florida. It also rolled over at Arkansas, and and the the big issue again, the deep ball accuracy was one, but you know the decision making along with you know he he really has a tendency of just latching on to one receiver, and you also have to keep in mind the type of offenses that he was in, um, in Florida at, at as well as Arkansas. You know he has a lot of history in Florida that is it really isn't a you know field stretching offense a lot right, of it right is exactly RPOs, rhythm you know short rhythm 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 it made ah. kyle trask look good so yeah. you know <laughs> it did it made kyle trask look good i uh, mean it made you know kyle pitts a fourth overall pick um but it's an offense that he's not going to operate at, at least in atlanta he's not going to you know they're not going to be incorporating a whole lot of that in that particular scheme so when you're asking him to do more than just that yeah. how does he react how does he right. handle that that's those are the things that he's you know he's going to have to answer he's going to have to show some type of progression in that and you mentioned he's a six six um and I, he's listed as six six but i i think nfl.com has him as six seven but any either way he's huge man he's huge dude yeah he has athleticism but he does. You mentioned, he's never known to pull the ball down and yeah with his legs which is somewhat confusing. A little it bit. is, yeah. It, but he wasn't told to do it a whole lot. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so it's like, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, we'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how it is going forward with him. Yeah, it's tools in the toolbox. Like, he has all the tools in there. We just haven't really put yeah. them all together at this point. But yeah. in terms of, like, usually someone, a quarterback you bring in, and as an undrafted free agent, you know, we're talking about, like, a 1% chance they turn into something, I would say. I think with Frank's, you know, it might be 5%. It might be 10%. Like, I think he has a higher upside, I think, than a lot of undrafted quarterbacks do. And he, he, I think he's shown some improvement enough that I'm, like, intrigued with the opportunity that he has to potentially win a backup job here. Just because I don't know that A.J. McCarron is really, yeah, you know. I, I, I think he can. <laughs> I think he a ceiling for, for Frank's, long-term ceiling for Frank's, I can't see him being, you know, a, a, a reliable star later on down the line. But I can see him, you know, developing himself to be, you know, a, a you know a competent backup. Yeah, know? I think he could be a high end back, like a Tyrod Taylor, maybe. Kind of, sort of, yeah. If you need him to win a game or two, he might be able to get, you know, he 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 may be able to get you a game or two. Um, yeah. I I just again is is this some of the things that come off the page, you know, with his development that scare me? And yeah. If he's if he's bad. Man, he can really put it off. Yeah, throat. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's intriguing, mostly because we don't know Arthur Smith's proclivities for his backup quarterback. Like with Dan Quinn and Dimitrov, we knew it was going to be a veteran every time. Like they had Schaub basically penciled into the role every year since he got here, um, and which like before that, like. what's that? Which I also didn't like. Yeah, like, man, I mean, is if they couldn't take at least. You know, they had Ben Kurt. We were we were high on Ben Kurt. Yeah, I still don't know why they got rid of him. Yeah, but it also felt like they didn't want to develop him 
Yeah, they didn't. It, 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 we just aren't privy to it, and you know, I'm disappointed that they didn't keep him around. But um, yeah. they only do have three quarterbacks in camp. Um, they've made no efforts to sign anyone else. So it looks like we're going to get a very long look at both of these guys, A.J. McCarron and Felipe Franks. And I think if Franks really does look good in preseason, I mean, I, I, w- I don't think people should be shocked if he ends up winning the backup job outright. I do think it's most likely that if he plays really well and A.J. McCarron also plays really well, that he that they'll carry him as a third quarterback on the roster because they don't want to risk getting him poached. Um, but... If he looks like he has in college and is kind of up and down or just struggles, then they'll stash him on the practice squad. It'll be easy peasy. They'll roll with McCarron for a year, and then we'll be you know talking about what we want to do next year. But um, intriguing prospect for sure. And Evan, I know you popped in, uh, and we just talked completely over you, but uh, how are you doing no, tonight, that's man? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Um, I just wanted to... I don't know how many more shows we'll have Eric for, so I just want <laughs> well, to hopefully a be lot. present yeah. while I can. Yeah, yeah, no. Eric did say that he, he is planning to come on when he can. We just don't know how I wasn't even thinking. Be. I hope that's – I wasn't – like, you guys mentioned that. We did. Yeah, we did. No, okay, that was okay. – you just spoiled it. Actually. I didn't know no. if I just, like, let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> Way to go. go. Yeah, I'll no. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, it's no, – uh, Congrats, Eric. I know I've talked to you and stuff, but yeah. I know you're excited, and it's been a long time coming anyway, so – yeah like yeah. i wasn't shocked when i heard yeah I was just, me neither, <laughs> honestly like, yeah like wow yeah. it finally happened so yeah I, I, I appreciate that i appreciate that Evan. yeah definitely thank you yeah, yeah and i don't even know what you said kevin so i'm sorry what was the question <laughs> <laughs> no no i was just no I, I was just uh welcoming you in yeah i mean we were talking about the backup quarterback job. We talked about a couple other things, but are there any, you know, we're, we're about to wrap up because we do appreciate you coming in. Oh, but yeah. Is, well, I figured I'd pop in for a Yeah, yeah. No, we appreciate so. it, honestly. Yeah. Is there anything, you know, you, you're thinking about heading into training camp that, you know, you want to get off your chest before we sign off? Um, Not really. I'm interested, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people are in the wide receiver battle just because, mm-hmm. You know, are we sure Russell Gage is definitely that number two? Um, there's some other guys I think can compete there. I mean, Frank Darby, a lot of people have been talking about. And then Christian Blake, um, I think uh, when Julio was injured, subbed in for Julio, like in his position. Yeah. Um, and, and then I believe Gage played more um, what inside or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, curious on that. Um, but not really. I'm, I'm just kind of excited you know, for the first time ever that preseason's coming. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. going to love watching preseason, which usually I really don't care about, but <laughs> you got a new regime. It's football with fans in the stands. Um, and it actually matters because under the last regime, it's like, you know, there was always these um, undrafted guys who would flash and look like they deserve to be on the team and then they'd get cut and we just never hear about them again. I think there's going to be more of the un, like undrafted guys that we've seen in a while, like making the actual roster. Um, yeah, so. it'll be like it's just I'm, like Quinn, I'm excited. Yeah, it's like Quinn morphed into Mike Smith, you know, yeah. over the last few years. Where like in 2015 and 2016, I think they like led the league in undrafted players they took, and then after that, it was like, no, no, we're fine. Like we don't need any more of you guys. Um, and it culminated, you know, obviously last year they didn't keep any undrafted free agents on the ro- like any you know of that yeah. year and i think it's freedom, more so. of like your job they knew their job was on the line and they didn't want to take any chances um even though we see like a couple of them have now been um they're 
you know, on other rosters and probably will make their opening day rosters from what I know. So, yeah, you know, missed out on some good players, but I get the, <laughs> like, you're on, you're on the hot seat, so you don't want to take as many risks, but it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's basically where the Falcons are. They're, they're going to have undrafted players. They're going to have a lot of these one-year deals. Uh, but mm-hmm. the one-year deals in particular, we've talked about before, but I'll reiterate it guys. One-year deals are great if you can get players to agree to them because best case scenario where they outplay their contract they go somewhere else next year these are players you're sort of stacking up as potential comp picks this is the Ravens strategy you know Patriots strategy these these teams always have a bunch of comp picks and the reason they do that is because they sign a lot of guys these one-year deals so if any of these guys happen to work out and hit you know you're looking at these guys at you getting comp picks in return when they go sign elsewhere for big money um so that is something to keep in mind. The Falcons, I, I think, are hoping that they can obviously keep some of these guys if they play really well, but some of them, you know, will be let go, and hopefully they can uh, get big money elsewhere and help the Falcons pick up some extra draft capital going forward. Because some of the most successful teams in the leagues are the one that ones that capitalize on that compensatory uh, draft formula and know how to game it and know how to get those picks coming in. Um, and I think that it's you know. The Falcons got a couple during the Quinn and TD regime after basically never getting any during the Mike Smith regime. But, um, you know, I'd like to see it a more consistent year-to-year thing as opposed to like, uh, maybe we have some this year, maybe we have some this year, but um, we'll see. But definitely thanks for coming on, Evan, and, and thanks for thanking Eric as well. We're all, did we're you, all so proud of Did you of him, see so. the one last thing? The um, Yeah, definitely. Um the one, like, it was a rumor from, like, not a very credible account, <laughs> but it was kind of interesting about Nikhil Harry. I oh, Eric saw it. About that yeah. already, but the Falcons <laughs> are one of the... Oh, okay. Eric saw it. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, so you guys talked about it. Forget no, it. we haven't talked about it, but yeah, Eric was very dismissive, kinda... yeah, of the account. I mean, like, yeah, I, oh, I don't, yeah. like, I mean, yeah, I, don't I mean, I don't trust the source. It, but... Yeah, but... Yeah, but I mean, right. if if they wanted to send a conditional seventh for Nikhil Harry, I have zero problem with that. I don't expect anything from Nikhil Harry at this point. Mm-hmm. We've seen that archetype not really have a lot of success in the NFL lately. Not sure why all of a sudden that sort of archetype is not working out. I mean, it's probably the evolution of offices and other things like that. But, um, you know, I'll trade a conditional seventh for just about anybody, you know, because <laughs> if it's conditional, if they don't make my roster, I'm not giving up the yeah. seventh. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take a flyer. Sure. But yeah, I just, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it was a little bit early to take him, you know, to begin with. Um, but he obviously hasn't had a great mm-hmm. chance to thrive in new England lately. I mean, no one's really been thriving there and some of that's due to injury and, you know, Newton ended up getting sick. Yeah, unfortunately, their first last round year too, picks but... haven't been that great. no, no, Tom Brady covered up a lot of problems on that team. <laughs> uh, so Yeah, he really did. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up tonight, folks. We are going to – there are some other topics, obviously, with regards to training camp. Evan mentioned the wide receiver battle. That's another big one. We got to save, like, some content for the next couple weeks because we got to, like, get through until training camp. I'm thinking, you know, maybe the, the night before training camp will actually have some things to talk about, hopefully, but – um, you know, we got to save some of these topics for next week's show. Um, but until we get to there, want to first thank Evan Birchfield for popping in. He is at Evan Birchfield on Twitter. Evan, anything you're working on? Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, just go to thefalcolic.com and uh, 
like and subscribe to this. Oh, go Instagram the Fal- the yeah, yeah. underscore Falcolic. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. Absolutely, guys. Check that out for sure. And Evan's been working hard behind the scenes trying to get guests and trying to wrangle the Falcons communication staff. I have been trying. He I has have. been trying really yeah. hard. So we appreciate this man's work. Uh, and, you know, we think they're coming, but you never know with oh, these things, guys. Coming. But yeah. Yeah. So with, hopefully, with you know, this is this little last push was enough to get it done. So with, with Evan, <laughs> with friends, we know they're coming. Yeah, yeah, it is the director of guest personnel. So, sure. <laughs> uh, we also have you know new ESPN employee and co-host of this great show, Eric Robinson. He is at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, other than no, the ESPN the thing, the Eric, Eric Robinson. Yeah, that's what yes, we'll start just, calling you. I'm just, yeah, I'm just Eric, man. Okay, Eric. if you say so. Uh-oh. Yeah, he's gonna start big timing us now. But yeah, go ahead and plug you know whatever you want. I guess you you know. <laughs> yeah, if you even need us anymore. Yeah. Small potatoes, man. I'm small potatoes. Uh, I just had a column come out today. Uh, over under uh, touchdowns for Kyle Pitts. Give that a look. Um, shout out to Dave for being patient with me on that article. It kind of took me a little while to write that article because you know it's been some things going on the past couple of weeks. But yeah, yeah, finally got it done. Um, so yeah, but alcoholic side as a whole, man. Like I like I plugged early in the show. This is definitely one of the best teams I've been with from top to bottom. The roster's deep. Um, the roster is ver- is versatile. Um, so yeah, so hit up the Falcoholic site, man, and and you'll be able to find every any and everything Falcons related that you want, man. Just just go ahead and check us out. Yeah. Yeah, guys, for sure. The site's great. Uh the content there is great. I'm sure you guys, most of you know that, but the Falcoholic.com. All your written content needs, the Falcoholic podcast, when there's stuff to talk about, we'll be coming back as well. You know, I've agreed to kind of take on the mantle of just filling the the dead zone void with, you know, whatever we can come up with, which, you know, there's some things, right? You know, thankfully we have a new coaching staff, so that makes it a little bit more exciting, I guess. But um, thanks for, for hanging out and, and, you know, hanging out with us when there's really no news to talk about. Um, but yeah, guys, I am Kevin Knight at Falcohol Kevin on Twitter. Um, the show is the Falcoholic Live at Falcoholic Live on Twitter as well. Like I said before, you can check out the Patreon at patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. We appreciate all your support there. Thank you to everyone who tips and donates on a regular basis. I didn't see George in the chat tonight, but uh, again, thanks to George. Thanks to all of our patrons and, and supporters and just everyone who comes and hangs out. We appreciate all you guys for, for helping us in this dark time with, with no little to no football news and the news that we are getting is very depressing sadly so um, thanks again for that like I said uh, we will be having training camp coverage this year live and in person uh, so look out for that I have you know resumed my writing duties since I'm no longer driving an absurd amount of distance and you know doing moving stuff so um, you can look for more of my articles coming out this week training camp previews all that good stuff guys Until next Wednesday, we will talk to you then. I'm Kevin for Eric and for Evan. Have a great night. Thank you again for tuning into the Falcoholic Live, and we'll see you next week, guys. Have a good one.